Good morning, Hallmark. How you doing? So good to be here again and see all your smiling faces and some of your grumpy faces, too. So, <laughs> you know, you got to be honest, at least every once in a while. So uh, I, I love this church. I love you people. And I, I just thank the Lord he has directed us here. Today we're going to talk about uh, being a part of the story. You know, that is what God's desire is for us, not to make our own story. Many of us want to make our own story and live in that. But God wants us to be a part of his story, which ultimately brings great joy. And sometimes we don't understand what that story is. Sometimes we get confused in the story, and sometimes we wander away from the story. But God wants us to get in the story. Don't get comfortable. If you'll open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 2 and 3 quickly. We find that God comes to Abram, which his future name becomes Abraham. He comes to him and he, he wants to tell him something. Just look at verse 2 and 3. It says this. God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and shall, and shall be blessed. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God tells Abraham, I've got a purpose for your life. I want to use you in a great way. And Abraham, this is your chance to follow me. Now, if Abraham was like many of us, we would have said, wait a minute. What do I have to do? You know, this sounds very scary, and I don't know that I can participate in this unless you lay out a blueprint for me. And I find that many times in life, we go through many different stages. But I want to list just four of them for you. And I find that I'm in these four steps, these four stages, different times of my life. Sometimes I'm just a follower. In other words, I tend to... Uh, I have a lack of direction. I tend to just kind of float on by. And in life, if you're not careful, you get to that stage where life just becomes a habit. And you kind of float by. And you don't want to be pressed. You don't want to be pushed. Secondly, I, I sometimes am a plotter. And that is that I kind of do what others are doing. I grew up in a family. I did try to do what my mom and dad told me to do, although I didn't do too well at that most time. But uh, uh, you, you follow your friends. You follow your schoolmates. You follow society. And they teach you the norms. And you become a plotter. And then later on in life, you may be a doer where you get a job. And you, you go forward, you just try to keep all the plates spinning, you just try to pay your mortgage, you just try to attend church, you try to live life, but you don't want to get out of that realm too much because this is what you've gotten yourself into, and I just need to go forward. But God wants us to be followers. Once again, would I say right now I'm just a true follower of God and I stick to that? No. There's time in my life that even now that I become a, a floater or a plotter or just a doer. And I have to snap back and say, wait, God, I want you to use me. Lord, I want you to show me what to do and I want to follow you. If you're not careful, 
You float around doing nothing. But God wants us to follow his story, even if that is scary. I, I don't know why, but I, I've kind of carried that same theme for many years because I use it on myself. I use it at manna. I tell our guys, do something scary. If God is leading you that way, then let's try to go that way. Let's do something, even though it may be something we don't expect and we don't know where it's going, but be willing to do something that scares you a little. It may be just sharing your, your love of Christ with your friend. It may be changing your lifestyle at work. It may be tithing or giving to missions. God wants you to step out. He, he hasn't set you in a rut and said, now just stay there until you die. He's got a plan for you, each and every one of us. And that always challenged me. I went to Hallmark, many of you know, for eight years. First year when I met Pam, I went here as a single guy. And seven years after that, I went as a married guy. And you know what I was? I was a follower, a plotter, and a doer, but I, uh, pardon me, a floater, a plotter, a doer. I wasn't a follower of Christ. I just stuck to a plan, wanted to live my life this way, and church was just kind of on the side. And I think if we're not careful, that happens to many of us. We kind of get caught in that rut. You know, I remember when I was 16, I wanted to buy a car. You know, all guys want to buy a car. Well, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had to have a car. I wanted to go to school, wouldn't let the girls see me in my car. You know, I, was, I wanted to be very cool and all. So I went out and I spent a whopping $400. And I got me a beauty. It was an Impala. And let me tell you, it didn't impress too many people. That Impala was awful. No air, no nothing. It was just basic car that did a lot of rattling, but hey, it was transportation, and I did my best to look very cool, you know, in, the, in an Impala, which is, it's insurmountable. But after a while, I noticed after about six months, that Impala started to, to smell a little. I didn't know what was going on, but, you know, I just had to deny it. I think that was the first step. I had to deny that there was a little smell in that car. I had to say, well, it's no car. And anyway, whenever it rains, my car got wet on the inside, just kind of seeped in the cracks and crevices, and the carpet got all wet and nasty. And, and I thought, well, all cars leak, you know. I didn't know. <laughs> you know, I'm just 16 years old. I didn't know any better. And I thought, well, the, the smell will go away. It'll be fine. And, and I would clean it. I cleaned the carpet, and I cleaned the seats. And, but that didn't seem to do anything. So what did I, my next step was after I denied it, then I had to blame somebody. Well, this car stinks because of my stinking sisters. They must have left something in this car. And I had four of them, so I, no brothers, just four stinking sisters. So I had to blame them on my car smell. What you guys leave under my seat? Man, I looked under my seat. You guys are not gonna ride in my car if you make it stink, you know, you're leaving your, cosmetics in it and all this other stuff. So it's, it's easy to blame somebody. Then after the smell started getting bigger, I had to try to deny it. Well, it, it doesn't smell that bad. You know, in life, we try to deny things we're doing wrong. We know we should be doing it. It's not that bad. And, 
It'll go away. The carpet will dry out, I'm sure, one day. And that became the new norm. And then, then I had to live with it. It was really getting rank. I mean, really rank. And I cleaned that car top to bottom. But, but it got so bad that when I was driving it, I had to drive with my head out the window, even in the winter, like, oh, this is too, too bad, and then suck in and hold my breath a little and then stick my head out the window. And, and I thought, this is terrible. I finally got to that last stage where I said, wait, I've got to get to the root of the problem. No car smells so bad that other cars won't park beside you. You know, there's a problem here. So I stripped that car down. I took all the seats out of it. I pulled the carpet out. I checked under the engine block and couldn't find anything. Clean like crazy. I went to the trunk. I pulled out the trunk mat and cleaned the floor of the carpet, I mean, of the trunk. And then I thought, you know, that spare tire may be stinking a little. So I unscrewed the spare tire, pulled out the spare tire. And oh my goodness, there it was a chicken. You know those little chickens you buy in the grocery store? They're in a nice little pack. Well, this thing had grown to be the mother of all chickens. It had puffed up, and it was leaking, and it had critters that had grown out of that chicken, and it had built its own sauce underneath it. <laughs> it was the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. And I thought, that chicken will go with the car. I'm never driving it again. It smelled so bad. So, uh, but I knew I had to have my $400 car, so I went and got a shovel. That's as close as I can get to that chicken. And I, I put the mask over in my face and got that chicken out and took it to the backyard, gave it a proper burial. I buried that chicken. Couldn't throw it in the trash. Everybody smelled that thing. But then the secret sauce was all over my trunk. Oh, it still smelled as bad. So I, I thought, I'm not going to get in there with a rag, man. Some of that sauce gets on me, it could kill me. So I drilled three big holes in my trunk. And then I got a water hose. And then I got a, a bottle of pine saw, which, gosh, the smell of pine saw, and threw it in my trunk and threw a bleach in there and Lysol, and I sprayed that thing out. I must have sprayed it out and built water up in that thing a couple of inches, and it would drain out my big holes and did it about 10 times. Finally, finally it was clean. But, but to be honest with you, that's kind of our life. We, we want to deny things. Like I was denying the smell. We want to blame it on someone else. Well, I can't give because I don't have a lot of money. And I can't go because I'm not the going kind. I've got to just ignore this. I've got to live with it. And then hopefully you come to yourself and say, I want to be a part of his story. Whatever that takes. Even if it's a smelly chicken, you want to get that out of your life. If we're not careful, we tend to carry that smelly chicken around with us and we ignore it. It may be something minor. It may be, well, I don't need to serve the Lord all the time. 
I don't need to give. I don't need to go. I don't need to witness. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And that has always amazed me in my life. Because I thought I was a guy that <clears throat> could never be used. But to my astonishment, he had a plan for me. And I'm not saying this, trying to be humble. I'm saying to be honest. God's plan is for each and every one of us. If he can use me, he can use you in a great way. But you got to step up. And you got to come to the place where you're willing to look at the problem and get it out of your life. Abraham was much like that. He was a man that wanted to get the problems out of his life. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, it says this. I will make you a great nation. Once again, I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be blessed. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in all, pardon me, in all, your, in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Many of those promises are for us. God has a great plan for us, but we're sitting on it. We're holding on to our chicken because we don't want to acknowledge what that is. Your, your chicken may not smell as bad as my chicken did. But we all carry around baggage. We all carry around baggage. And we've got to realize that God wants us to be a part of his story. A part of his story that he can use us in a mighty way. Now listen, Abraham was a man that stepped out of his comfort zone. Was told to leave his country. He was told to get away from his country, to depart. And I'm sure he didn't want to do that. I'm sure he didn't want to do something scary. He didn't want to go to a land he's never seen before, a place he's never been. But the first thing I want you to see today is if you're going to be used by God, you've got to trust God implicitly. Trust him even when it's hard. And once again, my own life is an example. There's times when, man, I have trusted God and God is blessed in a tremendous way. And I know in my life there have been times where I've been like, nope. That's too scary. No, God surely isn't in that. And I justify not doing the right thing. Abraham could have very easily done that. Verse 12, uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 1. He trusted God. He trusted God. In verse 1, it says, God told him, once again, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He had to leave his country, had to leave his friends, had to leave his family. And go to a place he'd never been before. God may not be calling you to another country, another place. But I know this. He is calling you to trust him implicitly and to step out. And say, God, I want to see some things you can do in my life. I want to see some things that you'll get the glory for them. In Proverbs 3, chapter 5 and 6, or verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord always and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If we just believe that, that God wants to direct our path, 
He wants to send us the right way and do some marvelous things in our life. Then we'll develop that trust and say, Lord, I can go forward. But you know, it all begins with the person. And I, I, I pray that you want to be that person. Because someone back in the past, a person said, I want to start a Bible study. And I, I, I think this could be good. And that person started a Bible study with at least 12 other people. And he could have said, this is a true story. He could have said, okay, this is a great Bible study. We don't even have to tithe. We're not even compelled to give to missions. We just need to study the Word of God. And man, this is pretty good. It's right here in Fort Worth. And one day, God convicted him and others, and they said, we need to start a church. And they could have all said, wait a minute. As we start a church, we're going to have to rent a building. We're going to have to pay for water, electricity. We're going to have to do all these things. And that's, that's tough. That's scary. Yeah, we want to follow his story, but that's a little pushing it too much. But those people didn't do that. They said, let's find a place to meet. So they went and found a building on the corner of Maddox and New York Avenue, right in Fort Worth, over there by Allen Street, by Rosedale, right off the freeway, found a building there, and they rented that building. And they started a church, and God blessed that church. It grew, and they gave the missions. They gave their tithe. They, they reached their community. That church started to grow. And you know what the nat natural response would have been? After two years, they should have said, this is great, we're gonna stay right here and we're just not going to do anything else because it'll cost us too much. I drove last week over to that spot on Maddox and University, or pardon me, New York. And I looked at that corner, four corners right there that met. On three of the corners, there were houses that were dilapidated, boarded up windows, terrible neighborhood, everything had declined. And on the last corner, there was an old fire station that had been bricked over. It looked terrible. They were using it for some kind of community center, but the community center was closed down. If someone wouldn't have done something scary, that could have been Hallmark's fate. We could have died right there on that corner of Maddox and New York and said, this is good enough. We'll get old, we'll start a church, and we'll die with the church. But they didn't. They said, we've got to trust in the Lord. We've got to trust in the Lord like Abraham did when he said, I'll go. And they went and started that church on Morningside. And that church gave to missions. It gave to, uh, to their needs in the community and reached people in that area. And then it continued to grow. And they said, let's move down south where there's a new community. And we can reach those people for Christ. And they started that church, or pardon me, built that church that many of us have gone to on, uh, by the freeway in front of Miller Brewery right there, and that church saw so many people come to the Lord and saw so many missionaries go out and missions given to uh, through that church. And let me just tell you, no telling how many people have been saved around the world because those people in that church, those men and women said, we're going to trust in God. 
We're going to believe God's able. And they moved down there, and they've used, been used by God. And, and I wouldn't be here today if Hallmark wasn't here. I really believe that. I was saved at Hallmark because people believed in starting a Bible study and not stopping there. Where are we stopping in our life? We stop just before the victory, just before we see that person saved, before we witness to our families, before we show God's glory in our life, before we show trust. Abraham had to show that trust that God would protect him. And let me tell you, Abraham wasn't perfect. He had many times where he fell. We didn't trust God. We told everybody else, oh, Sarah, she's my uh, sister. And because he was afraid they told, if he told them she was his wife, they'd kill him so they could help Sarah. Sarah didn't trust God on many occasions. And I could go through that. But you know what's neat about this? Is that despite the fact that we fall at times, and we all fall, we all start just being apathetic. God still wants to use us in a great way. He still has a plan for us. Sometimes I've seen some people be used the most in later in life. God has a plan. He wants to use us. Number one, we've got to trust. Number two, give glory to God. You've got to give the glory to God. He wants to use you in a great way. Chapter 13, verse 18 says, Abraham moved his tent. And he went and dwelled by Tenebeth, by a Tenebeth tree in Maron, which was in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. God had a plan for Abraham, and he wanted to give God the glory. So what did he do? He saw God's glory working, and he built an altar saying, look at this. This is what God is doing this is the, to glorify the God of the heaven and earth. And our life should be that altar. Our church should be that altar where we're bringing glory to the name of the Lord. We trust him and we want to bring glory, but you can't bring glory to God if you're just sitting and doing nothing. I, I, once again, I'm not bashing you. I'm, I'm bashing myself. I'm bashing all of us, I guess I should say, to be honest. We all pull back a little. God has a purpose for us if we'll trust him and we'll give him the glory. And then finally, we see in uh, chapter 14, verse 19 through 20, Melchizedek, the priest, came to Abraham. Melchizedek saw what God had used Abraham to do, how he had defeated enemies, how he had conquered nations, and built the altars and built worship spot. And, and Abraham was in a country he had never been to before. And Melchizedek said this. And blessed, he said, and, uh, he said, Blessed be Abraham, the God of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. If we are going to be used by God, we must show others the power of God. And it's hard to show something that you've never possessed. It's hard to show something that 
you've never been a part of. I remember when I first got saved, and I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but when I first got saved, I used to pray all the time, Lord, show me, let me be a part of the miracles. And when I, my faith started growing, God started showing me miracles because I stepped out. I missed many miracles in my life because I wasn't willing. I was too afraid. God wants to show you some miracles, wants to use you with your trust, give him the glory, step out by faith. He's got a plan for your life. But to be a part of that, you've got to come forward. Come forward, I mean by be a part of. Today you may not know Christ, and this is an opportunity for you to step out, do something scary, accept him as your savior. You may be here today and say, Lord, I'm doing stuff, but I want to do more. And that is my prayer that today you step out and say, I want to come forth and do more. Let God use you, my friend. Would you all rise with me? And as we sing this morning, if you've got a prayer, you want to speak to him, come forward and say, Lord, I want to be different. I want you to use me. And I know he will. May God bless you.